There are no people in the future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. everybody welcome 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 it is friday january 21st 2022 welcome to raging chickens out to coop podcast this is kevin mahoney editor and founder of raging chicken <clears throat> each week i'm sorry just thought i had a little tech thing there say so, um so anyways this is kevin mahoney editor and founder of raging chicken each week i talk to self-proclaimed shit poster extraordinaire sean kitchen about the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. <clears throat> you can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Simply head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You can also help out this show by heading on over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. On today's show... Well, yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of Bernie's mittens. I mean, uh, the Biden's inauguration. Um, so, how things going, dog? Well, as expected, this week, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema sided with Republicans and voted against changing Senate filibuster rules to pass voting rights legislation. Yep, that's right. They're knocking it down, despite the fact that they claim to be supporting the legislation. That's a nice, easy position to take. That means, of course, that voting rights legislation was blocked by a majority of senators, a minority, I'm sorry, a minority of senators. The vote um, shined a bright light on the fact that any major legislation favored by Democrats or progressives is pretty much dead in the water if the composition of the Senate remains the same. Now, Biden and Democratic leaders uh, are basically saying, hey, we're going to try to break up and scale down Biden's signature Build Back Better bill in an attempt to get some of it passed. However, it's underclear how the hell that would happen, right? <laughs> because Manchin and Cinema don't support it, so there you go. And they would have to pass it probably through reconciliation because it's the only way you're going to get any of that kind of stuff through, and you, then you can't even guarantee. Anyways, we'll talk more about that. And even if some of it did get through, this means that the U.S. government will not pass critical legislation necessary to address multiple crises heading straight for us. Don't look up, folks. Just don't look up, <laughs> right? Jesus Christ. Throw our hands up. We're just give up on everything. It's like the UK. I don't know if you saw this, but the, the UK basically just uh, lifting all COVID restrictions, right? <laughs> the same kind of like, all right, we give up. <laughs> same principle. Don't look up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same principle. And Biden's approval rating, surprise, surprise, hit a new low with a majority of Americans disapproving over his handling of his job as president, according to a new poll from the Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs Research. Perhaps even more troubling for Biden, only 28% of respondents said that they wanted Biden to run for re-election in 2024, and that includes 48% of Democrats. So what do you think? What do we do now? I don't know. Maybe time for a war? Could be. Well, it looks like a distinct possibility as Russia threatens to invade Ukraine. Biden didn't help matters this week when he seemed to indicate that the U.S. and NATO allies might not respond to Russia if Russia just made some minor incursion into the Ukraine. Ah, then we'd have to figure, we'd have to talk about it and argue about what to do. <laughs> right? That kind of freaked out folks in Ukraine, as you could imagine. 
But now the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, is kind of hardening the U.S. stance and making it more clear that, to, now, sorry, telling Ukraine leaders that the U.S. is committed to a, quote, united, swift, and severe response if Moscow commits further aggression against Ukraine. Let's have a war so you can go and die. And the aftermath of the volcanic explosion near Tonga, the devastation is now only becoming clear. That was just freaking unreal. It was unreal. Today, a little closer to home here in Pennsylvania, Malcolm Kenyatta and Connor Lamb scored important endorsements for the U.S. Senate race. Kenyatta picked up the endorsements of SEIU Healthcare PA, 32BJ, and 668, and a state council. But Connor Lamb picked up um, the endorsement of every white pasty person out there. I mean, I'm sorry, of uh, Mayor Jim Kenney, a couple of city council members and a building trades. Rumor has it that Lamb is also seeking the endorsement of the Philadelphia Park Authority. Go for it, Connor. <laughs> you know, I hear that there's a, there's a little kid down the street that's making endorsements for five bucks if you want that too. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's supposed to be parking. That is my mistake. <laughs> I know it was. I figured that after I said it. <clears throat> Philadelphia Parking Authority. Because everybody loves the parking authority. (laughs) 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 That one, that's going to win everybody over. (laughs) Connor's going to lock up your car. (laughs) It's like, put the poot on. That's what he's going to run on. Anyways, and Josh Shapiro seems to have missed the past couple of years in Democratic politics, leading into the refund the police and more cops messaging for the 1990s. Way to go, Josh. Where do you go? Get everybody excited for your campaign. <laughs> and Philadelphia Council Member Bobby Hennon resigned, or Heenan, resigned for the city council after a federal jury convicted Heenan along with Johnny Doc Doherty on corruption charges. Heenan was basically convicted of selling his seat to serve Johnny Doc's personal and political interest. And Heenan basically said he would not step down. But I don't know, a month out from ahead of his sentencing hearing, he seems to have changed his mind. And now little silk counts in, in like in disarray, like, oh, 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 how are we going to fill that seat? <laughs> right? It's crazy. Better bring the soap next time. And a middle school student in Kutztown formed the Teen, the teen Band Books Club after local and national extremism leading to banned books and raucous school board meetings screaming about critical race theory. Jocelyn Diffenbaugh, an eighth grade student in Kutztown, formed the group because she said, quote, she wanted to make sure that teens have access to books that they can personally relate to or have interest in and not let groups in our community dictate what we can and cannot read. Hey, imagine that. But you get her on the school board. And in the Penridge School District, well, it continues to ban and remove books that mention gender identity or engage, or, or, or engage racism in any critical way. A group calling itself the Penridge Improvement Project is working to make those books accessible by stocking the little libraries around the district with school boards um, banned books. And a Penridge student group, Penridge Rise Up, is petitioning against the book banning in favor and, and in favor of DEI initiatives in the school. And yes, more Bucks County craziness. Doylestown Health calls on Central Bucks School District to change its COVID plan because the hospital is overwhelmed with cases of COVID. You recall last week, the Central Bucks School Board passed a health and safety plan that they knew did not follow CDC guidelines, despite stating that they were following them. And how did they know that? Well, recently elected uh, board member, Mahmoud, basically, she basically came on and said, hey, look, CDC's got these guidelines. We say we're following them, but we're not. They're like, eh, never mind. Let's go ahead and pass it anyways. Crazy. 
And today's last call, the James Webb Telescope successfully deployed all of its 18 hexagonal mirrors ahead of schedule on its way to its permanent orbit around L2. That's the Earth-Sun Lagrange point. And that's about a million miles from Earth. It's just, just really just boggling my mind and it's getting me so excited, I have to say. Um, and it should enter that orbit around Sunday, January 23rd. And we should start getting images from the Webb Telescope about in about three months. It's going to be freaking amazing. And Meatloaf died after becoming seriously ill with COVID. Yep, his period of waiting to the end of time has arrived. And it's unclear if he was vaccinated. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, I should It's too soon, right? It's too soon. Um, and Tom Cruise, yep. His space movie producer signed a deal with Axiom to build a studio in orbit attached to the space station. Yep, we're there, folks. We're there. Anyways, uh, if you're looking for more progressive talk in PA, tune in to the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your streams. Right, and subscribe to his podcast wherever you get his podcasts. And really, just go on over to the ricksmithshow.com for all the latest across all his platforms. Like I've been saying on this show, you know, he's been um, just, just burning it up, man. I'm telling you, it's been turning up. He's given WBAI in New York, KPFK in Los Angeles, picked up in Chicago and Minneapolis. Um, the show is growing. He's got a daily show that's coming out now. It's just pretty amazing. If you haven't already, you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast. You can find it on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. And make sure to follow them on Twitter and at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. <clears throat> and all you gamers out there, it might be cold outside, but the deals are hot down at the Game Inn. The Game Inn, with two ends. the Game Inn is a Quakertown-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything from retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, loads of collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, you got it. And look, kids get discounts with every A on the report card. Check them out on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at, at the Game Inn. If you got a question about a game, you're looking for something that's hard to get, shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout-out, as always, goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at at Man. That's with two N's, at Man on Twitter. And you know what he does, Sean? NFTs. He sells the songs, NFTs, which we can talk about, which Sean and I were just talking about before, uh, you know, we got on the show today. That Still now, don't know what they are. But he's newly enlightened uh, about what a non-fungible thing. Okay. Um, so where was I? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, everybody, if we want progressive future, we need progressive media. Support Pull No Punches homegrown progressive media today. Become a patron of Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Just go to patreon.com slash rcpress. We're here for the fight, but we need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Help keep the media and the movement and the movement in the media. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month by going to patreon.com slash rcpress today. And I want to give a shout out one more time to um, <clears throat> Amy Connect and Rob. Ross McLennan, who were on uh, Out to Coop Live on Monday. We had a great conversation. It was the uh, first the first of what I hope to be more um, in the kind of months ahead of these kind of roundtable discussions um, about an issue. Yes, we'll continue on Out to Coop Live to bring on guests to talk about, you know, um, particular events or what's going on, um, kind of the classical interview stuff. But this was kind of more of a roundtable conversation with some activists in the community, which I really kind of appreciated. So thanks again for Ross and Amy for coming out on Monday. 
Um, there you go. So yeah, Sean, there we are. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's cold outside, and it feels like it's uh, cold in our politics right now too, as well in so many ways. But how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, had a really good week. How about yourself? Yeah, doing all right. Doing all right. You know, dealing with uh, having to deal with uh, my my burning and seething anger of my school district after my my son got COVID. You know, um, but. Uh, and he's still, you know, not 100%, not feeling great. I mean, he's not contagious anymore and things like this. But uh, that's been kind of occupying my mind. And, of course, my semester starts on Monday. So uh, it's been a week of, uh, you know, just prepping, prepping, prepping nonstop. Uh, which also means, by the way, uh, that I've been watching uh, kind of, you know, YouTube videos of uh, live D&D play. Because that's the only thing that gets me through and gets me my seat for so long. <laughs> I, uh, I scored a good piece of cookware this week. So cookies, did you say? I said, well, no, cookware. Cook, <laughs> cookware. Cook, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Cookware, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Gotta use the frying pan. Like we said, frying pan for 80 bucks. Nice. When nice. it's originally like $200. So it was a good, it was a good steal. It was a, it was a no, good. that's good. That, I mean, those pans are awesome too. And you got, it was, it was the nonstick one, right? Well, they're not nonstick. They're the cast iron, the enamel cast iron. Oh, it was the cast iron one. Yeah, I got an enamel cast iron. Oh, oh that's awesome. When I saw yeah. when I saw the picture of it, because they have these other ones. I think it's this other one where they have it with a nonstick coating on the inside too as well. But so, you got the cast iron one. That's awesome. So it's cast iron. So like it has the, that like enameled color on mm-hmm. obviously like on the outside. Sure. But the inside is an enamel coated inside. So you can actually put you don't have to season it. And then you um you can cook it. Or you can clean it with a soap with like a sponge and uh, detergent, and not worry like harming the 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 actual like pan itself. Wait, it's but enameled like, on the inside. Yeah, it is. I but thought it, when I saw you posted that picture, I thought it was all black on the inside. Yeah, it is. So like oh, okay. they're they have like this enamel coating for uh, their pans, their cast iron frying pans, where like it's not like a non-stick coating. Like stuff will still stick to it if you're not like cooking properly with it, or if you're trying to like move it around too much. But um, no, it's completely like, and it's enameled on the inside, so the coating allows you to like, um, you can clean it under like soap and water and not have to oil it up right, every right, time. Right, right. You can if you gotcha. want, yep. but no, like it's a. And then um, I I can take it, and because of that. I can cook it with like white wine or tomato sauce or like orange, like something like more citric or acidic yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So like the taste won't like the iron won't reach out. Yeah. 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 Cause it's, it has an enamel coating on it. So nice, nice. it's pretty good. I mean, you, those pans you originally go for like over $200. No, no, totally. 100%. So I fucking grabbed that thing up real quickly. <laughs> There's no second thoughts of it. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, um, we'll have more about this on today's cooking show. Um, yeah. And we'll walk you through some uh, of our favorite recipes. No, yes. but, uh, I don't know if my, you're on the lifestyle channel lately. It was, it was picking this week. I, I've just been, I've been, I've been kind of in my hole a little bit. So I've only caught little blips of it. See, I, I probably would have, you know, known this about the pan more if I had been paying more attention. I did see the picture of it. of, And uh, we did talk briefly about you making your uh, uh, chicken farm. Chicken Doing farm. it again. Yeah. I got some leftover red sauce still from last week's meatballs. Nice. So, there you go. Excellent. Yeah. The only good thing that happened on Sunday, besides the Eagles losing. Oh, did the Eagles lose? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he did. Yes, he did. I know. Oh God! But the Bills won, and uh, I know a lot of people. Are you a Bill? Are you a Bills? Well, you're a Steelers fan. No, but... I've, I always, I grew up a Steelers fan, but I mean, I have a you know, I've, I've been to a bunch of Bills games. And you know, I I should have been a Bills fan by all stretch of imagination. But my good friend growing up was a Bills fan, <laughs> just enjoying like misery and like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it would have fit my fit my character a lot more. I think I think the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are were, were able to give me a little kind of like rays of hope back then. You know, um, oh and, no, I mean like and images I, of like breaking people's teeth and stuff like that. So that was back in the Jack Lambert days. So um, oh, but I mean like with with the Bills, I mean like uh, I got I know a bunch of Bills fans uh connor who's one of them uh in our in our chat uh also crusoe there's some people like in the midtown neighborhood that has bill's flags flying year round so i mean i love because like how crazy the fan base is and like the table smashing which is just like one yeah. of the most the bills fans are, are great man I, my, my my brother ryan is a huge bills fan so he's uh uh he was he was yeah. thrilled so but good anyways uh so uh yeah, it's been quite a week. Um, and, you know, rather than just kind of going into like each one of these things, I mean, like, look, we got I mean, I don't think there was any surprise that this uh, that mansion and cinema um, didn't uh, didn't vote to change the filibuster and that voting rights legislation has gone down. Um, you know, you, I kept on hearing these interviews of people. Yes, we're going to stand firm and we're going to fight for. I'm like, but you're not going to pass it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and it's not going to pass because, because of mansion and cinema and they gave up on the, uh, they gave up on any hardball, like with passing the build back better bill and reconciliation. And it, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, about you also saw, I think this week about, especially about the build back better that popped up into the, candidate for him with the senate candidates here and connor lamb saying he supports breaking it up and piecemealing it out as legislation that's crazy that's crazy i mean it's like i mean i, I don't know how i this is the kind of stuff that uh in some ways i'm very very glad this week that i've been i've been so focused on and preparing for the semester and things like this because i it, it, i think i would have been a lot more depressed um this week in this kind of like this deep way, because it's like, I don't know what else you do in the face of, I mean, literally we're out of time when it comes to climate change. And so that means the U S is going to do zero right. in any kind of seriously kind of addressing it, we're just going to leave it 100% like up to the market. Right. And, and look, and look, I understand. And, and this is, this, this, I, I totally get the fact that, you got people like Mansion and Cinema. It's a 50-50 split that it's not as easy. But I mean, like, if we're in a crisis, then we got to act like it. But there's this weird kind of synergy going on. Yes, I use the word synergy. There was this weird kind of synergy going on between, like, the way the U.S. is responding with COVID and the way it's responding to everything else at this point. Just kind of like, well, everything's okay. We just say, uh, just fuck it. We're throwing our hands in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, did you see the COVID numbers though? At least cases are coming down here. Like, yeah, in Pennsylvania. Like, well, I'm not, but that, but that's it. I mean, it's like in the Northeast. Right it's now, like the but... rest. The rest of the country is like freaking like 
like on just the other a raging end, fucking wildfire right which is what you'd expect right and even though even even the cases i mean even the cases of of you know covid like i mean we're not even grappling anymore <laughs> with with the ideas of like you know what what the impacts of long covid are trying to prevent I'm, this stuff I at mean, least you're getting four free tests Oh, you know I ordered mine, man. I'm just like, I mean, it's gonna be like worthless, right? Because it's gonna get, it's gonna get here in like freaking June, right? But it's like, things are gonna be antiques. It's gonna be like, great. But I'm just like, oh, yeah. That, if I, this is all I can get from you. This is what I'm getting from you, right? It's like, oh my. I mean, it's just like it's, it's just like it's like, I mean, this is shit you should have been doing like two or three months ago. And when they did bring it up, or people did bring it up before the holidays, hey, aren't you gonna like send tests? And I'm like, why, why would we do that? Like the, the the arrogance, the arrogance, exactly. The arrogance coming from the, the arrogance Biden. and cluelessness. Yeah. And did you hear this? Um, this blew my mind. I mean, I saw this. There was some. There was some of this. There was a great video on this on TikTok. It was just. It was this great. Of um. So apparently, because the way that they've set it up, right, that you can only have like the four tests, right? That you will only send four tests to any individual address, right? So they're running into problems because some people live in apartments, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so that because it's the same street address, even though it's a different number of apartment, because it's the same street address, some people are being denied access to, like, to the free test, right? So it's like, you know, it's like, this is, if this is not like a metaphor for like the way that our economy and our society and the way that kind of politicians respond to this stuff, it's like, Oh yeah, if you got a single home, you got all this kind of stuff, you're good, right? However, if you're struggling to meet ends meet or you live in an apartment, you're living in a city, you know, good luck to you. Yeah, if you don't own a parcel. <laughs> like you know, I mean I mean, you know how it is. Like if you look at the, you know, I remember like send I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dox you right now, but it's like I, I remember kind of like, you know, you when you send people like like you know, stuff to their apartments of sometimes there's like really distinct apartment addresses. Sometimes it's like first floor, second floor. It happens floor. to me all the time. You know what <laughs> I you know what I mean? And it's like No, it happens all the time and just like mail gang in the wrong door or like people not knowing which door to knock on and like yeah. It's just crazy, you know? And so, like, I'm like, oh, this is, isn't this just classic? So, um, the one good thing they did, though, I have to say that the organization that is, that is handling it all is the postal, the postal service, right? So, instead of like setting up a separate bureaucracy in order to do this, they're just, you're doing it right to the postal service, right? So, like, well, thank God that's going to ensure that it actually gets there a little bit quicker. Cause like, otherwise it'd be like, you know, whatever. I'm surprised they didn't like contract out to somebody, right? That would have been more appropriate, <laughs> right? And they could have made it into its own like tradable commodity, right? <laughs> so, Give it to the Dorshan guy who, Jesus. uh, Philly, like that Philly COVID grifter. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you see uh, another story popped up on him about his dad recently doing yeah. the same thing down in like Florida? They were setting up like vaccine clinics down in fucking Florida. It's a family <laughs> affair. And like when they got called out on it, like their licenses got pulled immediately. <laughs> Just it's like... crazy, man. But you know, I'm looking at that. That's that's kind of like where we're at, right? I mean, mid-level and... grifting and just like. But seriously, and I, I, I I'm really, I don't. Or know if you want to get a mask, or like if you get a COVID test, you have to like show proof of like that to your fucking insurance company. Like you have them deal with it. That's like, just like, well, here's a kicker. You'll love this one, right? So when 
when I um when I heard that you know like this past Saturday, right? So if anybody doesn't know already, right? Um, you should you should know that um that your insurance company, if you have insurance, right, is um, obligated under this new federal kind of rule, um, basically to reimburse you for your COVID test, right? But here's something you should know, that there is a list of approved tests that are now on their, their website. So make sure that you go, if you look up kind of like um, you, kind of medical insurance, you know, look up your insurance, you got to look up your particular provider. So I waited. So you had to, it, it's, there's, there's a process where you get reimbursed if you bought the test before this past Saturday. But Saturday, this past Saturday is when everything kicked in, right? The 15th. So I waited until the 15th to order some um, tests online, right? And I just ordered like two sets of them, right? And so I waited, I waited, I waited, and I made sure like the tests that I got, I've ordered them before that they're uh, um, FDA approved and all this other kind of stuff, you know, with that, you know, they're all this, you know, emergency use authorization stuff. Um, All of them are, right? I think with the exception of maybe one or two. But so I, I go, I said, okay, great. You know, this has been convenient. So I go ahead, I put my order in on Saturday, Right. I get an email from my health, my my health insurer on Monday. Well, here, what's the process to kind of get your reimbursement? And here's the list. And the thing that I bought was not on the freaking list. <laughs> Sounds on brand for you. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. And I love to say, look, I have a union job. Right. And I have a I have I have good insurance. Right. And I'm not saying that to kind of like. I just being that as a fact of the matter. And that's freaking, I say, are you kidding me? I have got the, like, I've got the paperwork that shows you this is emergency use authorized. So now I'm going to have to freaking fight with my health insurance to reimburse me for these freaking tests. I mean, welcome to America, man. I mean, that's, that's our, that's who we are. I mean, this is exactly what Michael Brooks always talked about with like the healthcare bureaucracy, like, it, and just and how much of a fucking like, how rigged it is. Right. Like when people say they hate bureaucrats, well, like, what do you think about your healthcare bureaucrats? It's basically the same thing. Basically like denying you your insurance and fighting you. Like, you know, it should be as simple as possible. Like just fucking nationalize the healthcare system. Well, totally. And this, this is, you know, or streamline it. I mean, just like, there's no ways to like streamline it. Like, you just make it straight. You basically, you make, you make things that are public work. Right. But we have made a commitment in this country to make things that are public not work and to make it and, and to basically to demonize people. Right. And, you know, I do this thing in this, one of my classes that I, you know, um, that because this, this class I teach called New Media Story Change. And one of the things, you know, we were looking at some book. I'm not going to go into all the detail of that, but there's this one part we were talking about, like like framing and kind of thinking about a problem in particular ways. Right. And so um, we were reading the some of us. Um, and. Um, talking about the ways that we there's this there's this this crazy way that we think about um kind of trade-offs in this country right so if it's like because of white the history of white supremacy and kind of of you know rampant kind of liberal like like i don't know capitalism basically we, we think about things in terms of like, okay, if somebody else is getting something, if I'm extending something to someone else, then they're taking something away from me. So I would rather basically not have it myself than actually to allow those other people to have it, right? That's been a part of the, the history. So Heather, this is Heather McGee's book. I'm sorry, she just said that. Heather McGee's book, The Sum of Us, right? And that's what she said. So, and the whole idea is that it's a zero sum game. 
right? And then so that if, if like, and she tells this story about public pools, right? And I've talked a little about this on the show before, about public pools. And it's like, there was, in the aftermath of World War II, there were these amazing public works projects of kind of having these open, like, like public pools. They were like resorts. And they were like the, the, the prize of the world, right? All around the country. Um, and they were meant to kind of like, bring communities and establish communities and kind of focus on kind of building out communities and celebrating kind of democracy and all this other kinds of stuff. Right. The problem was, of course, that this was still the 1940s, 1950s, and everything was segregated. Right. So really, when you're talking about communities, you're talking about white people, right, white communities, white middle class and working class communities. Right. So it was celebrated as like, look, you know, you got like, you know, there were like there were statements that were coming out from like state legislators saying like, yeah, when everybody's got nothing but their bathing suit on, everybody's the same. Right. In other words, eliminates your lower class divisions in terms of like all the, the errors that people put on and all that stuff, but not racial ones. And when, you know, the NAACP and others began to kind of sue, they wanted to access equal access to um, those public swimming pools. Right. And they won the cases. So you had to desegregate them. You actually had to allow black people to actually come in and go to the swimming pools that the communities that they were inhabited in, they chose to shut the pools down rather than open them up for people, for everybody. Right. And that's the history of this country. And we see the same kind of nonsense play itself out all like all over the place. And the idea that like we 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 just can't do things. And I remember, and the reason I bring it up like this, and you know, in the race of the, the COVID, and you, when you said like make you know make streamline the process, I was like, there was a reason, you know, growing up poor, right, in in a single parent for for a chunk of time for me, right, and on food stamps and things like this, right. There's this, I, I have this impatience of around the arguments when people get to say, well, you know, we, we got to support the government because, you know, we've got to, you know, where the government is the liberals and the Democrats and the kind of like the market is the everyone else is that I grew up hating both. I grew up hating corporations and I grew up hating the government. Right. Why? Because when you're poor, the government is not your friend. On a daily basis. Yes, it's true. There's benefits. But you know what happens in this country? You're shamed for it. You're made to feel less than. You're questioned about whether you deserve it or not. And then you have to go through all this paperwork. You you lose all your privacy rights. You have to lay bare everything about this. Allow inspectors into your freaking home. That is that that is a that is a, such a dysfunctional and toxic and abusive context, and so just comes way like around this this kind of nonsense that we have. You got to go through your healthcare provider and all this kind of stuff. In my class, to get back to that point, my class, you go you look at something like universal healthcare or universal whatever you're talking about, right? You have a choice to make, right? Do you? Provide it for everybody. And everyone goes, oh, it costs so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? It costs a ton of money to have to provide an entire infrastructure of surveillance around these other programs that you set up to, like, you know, like means test something. Or, you know, you have to prove that you qualify for a free freaking COVID test. As opposed to just giving everybody one. We got a glimpse of that early on when we start getting the relief packages, when suddenly you're like, you started having like the child tax credit start showing up at people's, in, you know, in, in, in people's paychecks automatically. 
right? That you started getting like employment benefits, unemployment benefits, just without question. You just got it. You're out of job. You get it. Giving people money without question about, you know, yes, is there going to be some waste? Yes. But you know what? You're not going to spend it sending like cops to people's houses to try to figure out whether they qualify and if they're deserving of a free freaking COVID test. Or they don't have to burn like 10 hours of their day online because they can't actually talk to a freaking person because we cut them all. We have to, you know, are you having a problem receiving your COVID tests? You know, pre's plus one, that kind of nonsense. But I, I don't know what to think about this, Sean. It's like, you know, it's like, it seems like we can't even address small problems right now. <laughs> yeah. Let alone big ones. No, I mean, like, that's just the goal of conservative government. <laughs> like, that's what we I mean, got. Yeah, it's the long-term goal of conservative government and hollowing out these institutions and, like, years of the cuts and everything else. I don't know. I'm sorry to go on that long rant, but, I mean, I, I Are you okay? I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not. <laughs> and uh, and I don't think I don't think we are as a country right now. And I'm really worried, to be honest with you. Um, when I see these, you know, when Biden come on and basically saying, yeah, we're gonna have to, I guess we're going to have to break up and scale down a Build Back Better bill. I'm like. Or we're having the electability argument, like with uh, in the Senate campaign here with Connor Lamb saying, yeah. you vote for me because I'm electable, which is code for saying I'm white. <laughs> like I'm a white guy. I'm a normal white guy, which I mean, like, look how the electability argument, look where that got Biden right now. Okay, we elected Biden. What was his like goal? Like to be a lame duck the next three years? Like, you know what I mean? Well, I, and I think people got to say like to, about Connor Lamb in this freaking in the Senate. Like, oh wait, you mean so we can elect another mansion? Yeah, Man- another mansion in the Senate. We see what another mansion or another Kirsten Cinema gets us. Yeah, you you going to the Senate's going to make it worse for us, not better. We're not going to elect another mansion. We're not going to elect someone who's going to, like, you know, play that out again. No way. Yeah. And, I mean, like, Connor Lamb's already calling for building or breaking apart the Build Back Better. I mean, yeah. So. I mean, I don't know how you do it. The whole idea behind the Build Back Better bill is, like, this is what's necessary to respond to a crisis. <laughs> right? Yeah. But you know what else is you no? Know, you know it's a great way to respond. Let's to go. Let, can, can we just start talking about your pan again? Let's just talk about your pan again. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what were you going to say? Another way. You know, it's a really great way to respond to crises and tanking poll numbers. I don't know. Like the ostrich has a good solution. Uh, I well that or starting a war. <laughs> so wars work. Wars work. Wars work. Wars yeah. have always been like a really good way to like boost poll numbers before an election. There you, you know, go. Throw some bombs around. Yep. <laughs> It's great. It'll work out for I everybody. See, actually. I saw people. I saw people on my Facebook page. I will not name them, but like screaming like "No war with Ukraine." I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I have not watched the national news lately, so I have like missed over this like we're bombing Ukraine, not bombing Ukraine thing. Like, so I yeah. I mean, it just it's crazy, and it happened really fast. <laughs> like, and look, and it's like you know, but this is the kind of like knows that like any um. There are ideological differences between Russians and Ukrainians, Ukrainian yes. people, like as as a like and historical ones. I mean, yes, historical. Like these are <laughs> yeah. these are these are like not like 
anything that's like new. I mean, I, I, I mean, like I know a couple of Ukrainians. Uh, I worked with a couple older Ukrainians, and they saw Russians coming in. They would always just be like MFing them and stuff like that. And yep. but yeah, no, like there's, but there's like you know centuries old, centuries like old issues here with like Russia and Ukraine. No, but you don't look, I mean, if you're Russia right now, I mean, look, I, I, I mean, if you're in Russia right now, like, why not like test the willingness of the United States? Yeah, the United States can't even with? pass a law. Like, they can't even pass voting rights. I mean, you also think about like Russia is going to be setting itself up to want to be, you know, one of the most important players in this like post-apocalyptic yeah. climate change world because of the landmass that they have. That's right. That's right. Well, once they uh, once they light all those big kind of like permafrost methane bubbles on fire, and then be able to kind of finally farm that land, they'll be all set. You know? Yeah, <laughs> just like. Jesus. But no, I mean, like this is what this is so dark. <laughs> <laughs> and, is, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I look at this like to what's happening. You the, the stuff that's going on in Ukraine is like, look. I mean, I, I really do think this is where you have, you know, all of us, we have to kind of pull back and see like the, the problem here, like in the, like in the, in the one way, this is, you know, we were talking a little about this before the show, what makes me nervous about that, a democratic party that is just, uh, even though they're, they have the presidency, the house and the Senate by a slim majority, I understand. Um, but even though they have all three branches of government, they're incapable of passing um, anything that is kind of, you know, that means something to its base and is actually going to have a meaningful difference. Yeah, I love it. Like when one of our members of our congressional delegation talk about things that are so horrible, like uh, people rationing insulin. It's like, yeah, Democrats have all three branches of government. Why don't you do something about it? Right, exactly. And it's like, you know, let, let's let's we just play kind of straight up politics on this one. You don't deliver. You don't win. I mean, it, you know how easy it is to run against somebody and say, like, well, you, you've been saying that you're going to do all this stuff and you guys have all three branches of the government. Not our fault. Yeah, that's that. That's going to be the line of the Republicans. Not our fault. You can't you guys you you have all the power, not us. Right. That's what's going to go. But the and the problem here is, is that what happens when like a political party is in disarray and people are want to hold on to their power, right, want to hold on to their offices like, well, you exercise the power that you can and guess guess what you know we've got whatever a couple decades of of precedent of the executive branch about expanding its powers to use the military force and so this is a way and i know that there's going to be people in the ear of the biden administration they're going to be like well look this is the way that you're going to look strong this is the way that you're going to show that you're decisive if you only had republicans on your side but you don't so, you know, who knows how where this goes from here? Because there's there's like a real thing in the world, right? Russian, like Russia seeking to kind of expand its influence. And it's a really complicated narrative, what's going on there too as well. But they're looking to expand this. They're looking to take this shit over. And they, like you said, they want to be this kind of major player. And they're going to use military force when needed. They've already and they're done gonna, it. They're, they're going to poke and prod, you know, and just figure out what they can and can't do. Right. And they're going to find a way to do this, right? And it's like, what a better time to do this when the world's kind of greatest military power, like, you know, quote unquote greatest, I mean, you know, the largest, most powerful, all that kind of stuff, um, is is in disarray domestically, right? If I was if I was like a, like a band of kind of, say, Russian hackers and these kind of like, you know, uh, these uh, 
no, I'm not going down the kind of Russian conspiracy theory thing here, folks. I'm just talking about, say, pragmatic stuff about way that people play with social media and algorithms as a way to kind of um, kind of encourage divisiveness. That's been a long term playbook in kind of um, in kind of, you know, Russian foreign policy. It's a great time for it. Right. Let all the stuff be in disarray at home and then start kind of like testing the waters about expansionism um, there. So you've got this real situation. Right. There's been pledges by NATO and the United States to kind of defend Ukraine if Russia comes in there. So this is a real situation. Right. And my concern is that it's going to get decided um, on grounds that are not about that situation, on grounds about the Democrats losing at home. But we'll see. I don't know. Maybe maybe next week will be a little bit more uh, upbeat on this. But this week has just been it's been it's been tough and there's other things that are going on in the news i get it but uh that's kind of at the kind of the forefront of things other things like like tonga for example <laughs> a lighter note just kidding um that was freaking that volcanic eruption um in tonga was crazy yeah no i think it's just like how like just catching it on satellite is insane whoa blows my mind and you know what that you, you know how we got that picture sean how? It's because we have a space program and people are in <laughs> space. <laughs> That's how we know about measuring climate and stuff like that, too. Anyways, but um, but yeah, it's crazy. And I don't know if people have been uh, and I'm sure there's going to be calls for aid and support and things like this. Um, so do look out for that because um, and look out for the scams, too, as well. But um, they're saying I was I was listening to this uh, BBC report on it the other day and um because there's so much ash is covering all the islands um, that uh, so much of the farmland that, you know, that how much like Tonga was able to produce for itself. Um, a lot of that is going to be rendered unusable um, and the water supply will be polluted um, in addition to just kind of, you know, straight up direct impacts of having to kind of clean up of the ash and the, some of the devastation from tsunami stuff. So, um, you know, feel for those folks right there. And just to see this sheer kind of devastation being wrought by there, and, you know, this, and this is one of those examples too, as well. We, you, I mean, nobody could see it coming right in this way. I mean, they knew that, that, that there was going to, there might, you know, was some eruption and stuff. And it was weird because there were, it started erupting early and then the explosion came later into the eruption as opposed to, that's why we get all the pictures from it because they were monitoring some of this stuff. So um, do look out for that, but that was pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Anything else going on uh, statewide or nationwide uh, that that we can uh, bring people down about? Um, I don't think so. No, not right now. All right, excellent. All right, we're going to go into a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's happening here in Pennsylvania. This is Kev Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. I want to remind you, you can help become a patron of the show by going to Patreon.com/rcpress and help support. All that we do. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. We'll be right back into this quick break. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. 
On this day in labor history, the year was 1946. U.S. steel workers staged the greatest walkout in the history of the steel industry. Nearly 750,000 strikers shut down more than 1,200 steel plants in 30 states. In Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh area alone saw nearly a quarter of a million steel workers take to the picket line on strike. During World War II, workers in the steel industry had mostly gone without pay increases, as the focus of steel production was to support the war effort. During the war, labor disagreements built up. When the war ended, those disagreements resulted in a wave of strikes. Workers in the steel industry believed they were long overdue a pay increase. The steel companies did not agree and refused to bargain. One such example was at Inland Steel, headquartered in Chicago, Illinois. Inland workers had not received a raise in more than four years. After four years of frozen wages, they demanded a quarter an hour increase, but their demands fell on deaf ears. Similar stories were heard at steel plants throughout the nation. The great 1946 steel strikes forced the bosses back to the bargaining table and became part of the largest wave of strikes in United States history. All told, nearly 5,000 strikes took place that year, with some 4.6 million workers walking off the job. There was a backlash, however, against these strikes. In 1947, Congress considered 250 different labor-related bills. That year, 24 Democrats and nearly every Republican voted to override President Harry Truman's veto of the Taft-Hartley Act which was specifically meant to curb union power. Taft-Hartley outlawed wildcat strikes. It also allowed states to pass right-to-work laws. 24 states now have right-to-work laws that severely curtail union organizing and the power of working people. At the time, President Truman denounced Taft-Hartley as a slave labor bill. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on the Twitters at Labor History in Two. everybody welcome back this is kev mahoney editor and founder of raging chicken here with that shit poster extraordinaire sean <laughs> once again uh yeah so uh looks like we're getting the uh senate campaign kind of uh going full uh full force at this point uh so what's happening here in pa well uh so malcolm Kenyatta and connor lamb both got endorsements over the weekend i think or the past couple weeks i think it shows the directions of these campaigns and where they're going um you know, uh, Kenyatta was endorsed by all of the SEIU locals in the state, uh, Healthcare PA, 32BJ, 668, uh, State Council, you know, um, which is tremendous and given relevance and importance, SEIU plays with like the progressive infrastructure in the state. So, you know, not just their membership, but like, you know, you also have stuff like Working Families Party uh, who, you know, are getting behind Kenyatta pretty early. And then you have uh, Connor Lamb getting endorsed by uh, Mayor Jim Kenny, <laughs> just like uh, the Philadelphia Building Trades, Philadelphia Parking Authority. I don't know. <laughs> like, so, maybe okay, L&I. so I just got a question. I just got to ask the question. So I see Connor Lamb got endorsements from uh, the Building Trades and uh, a couple of city council members. Number one, was one of those city council members uh, Bobby Hennon? I don't think it was Heenan, no. Heenan, rather? Just checking, want to make sure, because you got the building trades, and you got, you know, and you got the other, uh, but okay, good, good, good. So, uh, <clears throat> at least he didn't get endorsed by, uh, uh, um, you know, someone who's facing But it, I really find it, like, it. I think it's hilarious the amount of people responding online, like, outside of Pennsylvania on, like, K-Hive and stuff like that, like, 
thinking that getting the endorsement of Jim Kenny is something to be glad about. <laughs> like, I mean, look, they're going with what they what they can. I mean, seriously. I mean, <laughs> it's just like I, I I don't know. I felt like half the stuff was like satire. That that's how like much it reeked. Um, I mean, what like. I mean, I could see Jim Kenny maybe a year before Black Lives Matter, but you know, like I really feel like the whole entire incident with uh, with protesters, peaceful protesters, being gassed and attacked and beaten on on the six seventy six Vine Street Expressway, uh, and then lying about it, lying everyone's face about it when fucking video existed from the moment it happened. Yep. Like, and only changed their story until the New York Times today, like, thing months later. Like, it's pretty wild. I mean, I feel like, like, that incident right there and the way the cops are running wild in West Philly destroyed Kenny's image and destroyed any aspirations he had of being a serious statewide political leader, which I don't think that was going to happen anyway. But, I mean, like, you're getting this guy's fucking endorsement after what happened last year and their failure to address the pandemic, uh, the multiple failures by his administration and the pandemic and stuff like that. I mean, it's just like, it's, I mean, yeah. Could it no, be a better I, time I do, for, I do think it's like what, what you said, it's, it's, it's head scratching. It's just well, like, it's, it's head scratching, but it's also like, I, it's like saying like, without saying I want white people to vote for me. And that's, I mean, I mean, because because of that context. I mean, Jim Kenny's not even popular with white people in the Democratic or Republican parties in Philadelphia. Fair enough. Just like, right. Fair enough. Right. I mean, he's not like well liked uh, by either like side. He's not going to be liked, certainly like by the people who are going to be voting in his primary. Yeah. Well, you know, at least uh, I. Well, you know, I think maybe the the parking authority might uh, tip this. <laughs> The balance like, of the, the Colleen put that tweet out. <laughs> Next up, he's getting the PPA endorsement. <laughs> just like, just like everyone started laughing. It's just like, I mean, but that that's like the equivalent of this. Like, wait, you're gonna ask for like Alan Dom or someone yeah. like that next? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, and then also like, uh, you know, uh, Frank Rizzo called. Frank <laughs> Rizzo called, his, right? He's like, what's his Twitter account back? What's his Twitter account back? <laughs> I mean, just like the pro police messaging from Shapiro, like well, this whole. <laughs> tell me about it. I mean, like I saw that come out, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?" It's like, look. So I, this is Sean. I mean, you've been talking about also, this kind of nonsense for so long. Yeah, and also like the it leads into the stuff with Krasner, that fight that blew up this week on using an impeachment as a political stunt and you have Mastriano supporting Krasner's like, Hey, people of Philadelphia like it. <laughs> like that's, that's their problem. He won 70% of the vote. <laughs> yeah, that's a mandate, <laughs> which I thought it's pretty funny for him to say that, which I mean, like, it's like that being the worst person on the internet makes a good point. <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta be like, oh, well, yeah, but I mean, like, I think you saw that last year with uh, the Bucks County Democrats, you know, with their like pro police stuff. And just like, no, it doesn't get, you're not, dude, if someone has a thin blue line sign in front of their house, you're not getting their fucking vote. Okay. They're, they're certainly not voting for the Democrats. Well, that, like that's exactly the times, case, right? I like mean, nine times out of 10. <laughs> like, but it's like, I mean, how many times you got to tell people who are running for office that like, you know, once you start, once you start on the terrain of your opponent, Right, you lose. 
I mean, I mean, even if you know what I mean, or you or you have diminished power. I mean, these people, they, there's so much of the Democratic Party that is still so wedded to think that like Bill Clinton had the secret sauce. Right. It's like Bill Clinton had the secret sauce for when Bill Clinton was running for office. Right. And it worked because it was a trick. Triangulation and appropriating the other side's language and policy it was a political trick to win votes. But you know what happened? When, once, you, you know, once you basically show what the trick is, it ceases to be a trick anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> then you actually become part of the problem. Yeah. Right? I mean, it wasn't, uh, they, you know, everybody, I, these people drive me insane. And I hear, like, I hear interviews on, like, on the radio. I was listening to this thing on NPR today and listen on, you know, MSNBC. People come on and they, like, this language comes out of there that they think they're actually connected to the way the world's working. And all they're doing is basically saying that, oh, we know this cool trick. And we were like, I'm looking, everybody knows what the trick, everybody knows the trick. So it's not a trick anymore. <laughs> You're just saying nonsense that has helped cause the problem. You become part I mean, of the I'm problem. I'm also like a lot of these tweets are reading like Instagram motivational posts <laughs> at this point. It's just like, just hey, very you know what kills me? motivational totally. Instagram, like messaging. But it, what, what kills me about it is that he actually has, like, he could actually Every- run on something, right? I mean, he could actually run on, like, what he's done and not buy into that stuff, right? He doesn't need to be wading in on this kind of nonsense, Right. And look, like you and I have said this a thousand and one times, Shapiro is not like my ideal candidate. Right. But he seemed to be positioning himself as kind of like, you know, a partisan fighter. That's willing to do this stuff. But it's like, I I just want to like call his office. like, no, 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 no. Wrong party. (laughs) Wrong party. You know, if you want to be a partisan fighter, you got to you can't alienate your base at the beginning of a campaign. It's just crazy talk to me. Yeah, that's just I mean, that, that is just like, like, forget the policies. That is just bad politics. Because there's like nothing happening. There's no reason for him to put out those tweets. Right. I mean, it's like it's self-initiated. It's like a, I, I, I mean, I don't know what this is what the consultants are saying or the communication. Totally. It's, a, you know, it's like we're going to fly in. I don't know. Uh, we talked a little about this on out the out the out the coop live on Monday about about some of the problems with the uh, with dealing with Democratic Party consultants and uh, wading into uh, into campaigns. Uh, we had a much longer talk after the show, which was uh, I, you know I, I almost wish we had it on the show, but it's like I mean I, <laughs> I don't think we could have had it on the show without like whatever blowing everything up. But um, um, no, I mean I feel like it just shows yeah like it's 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 yeah I mean I mean it's Democratic consultants. There, this is like the messaging they're heading on right now. So I mean, I don't know. I feel I, I would I will be uh, I will be upset more upset if this stuff continues as a uh, if someone's announced like a candidate emerges. Like you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Uh, one of the things we did not put in here, I guess, for Pennsylvania this week, Bill Mc, Bill McSwain got the endorsement of Jeffrey Yass and the Commonwealth Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Oh, I missed that. Are you serious? Yeah, we've got to put that in there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm dead serious. Uh, McSwain got the endorsement of Jeffrey Yass. Wow. Um, That's interesting. But I also feel like now the um, the coverage on Yass has gotten more critical over the past several, over the past year. You know, really like 
to the work that everyone's doing on get messaging around him. Yes, instead of like them saying uh, that yes, that's Commonwealth Chamber of Entrepreneurs or Leaders Fund endorsing yes, it's Jeffrey yes, or endorsing McSwain, it's Jeffrey yes, endorsing McSwain as a run through these two organizations, which is good. It starts putting the thing out there that like Pennsylvania's richest billionaire is uh, the sole person behind a lot of the stuff. Yeah, is uh, is behind in funding this carpetbagger. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. <laughs> right. I think... No, I think he's funding him. You think about it like, uh, you know, Jeffrey Yass wins as regard regardless if a Republican becomes governor. Right. And so, like, he's just... I, I think he's just hedging his bet and picking a safe pick. I don't think... I don't see McSwain getting any... Uh, I think it's... I don't see McSwain getting any traction. Um, I think it just keeps Yass's preferences clean because I think the stuff the the it's with Mastriano right now. You think that's where the energy is right now? Yeah, and I think Corman's sort of a, of a joke. Yeah, I mean Corman. I can't believe that. I mean, whatever. That's it. Oh, but the, then here's the other thing. Then then we had uh, what's it says? Then Terzai now basically turned around and said he's not going to run. Right? Yeah. So, and do you think that has to do with? I, I I wanted to ask you about this. I meant to ask you before the show, and I totally forgot about it. But, um, you know, Terzai first wanted to come out and said he was going to run, but then he said no, he's not going to run. Do you think that's because he's got he's got a sense that Mastriano's got that that side locked up? I mean, I think everyone. I mean, I think in Harrisburg, there's that sense, like insiderish, even like with some of the Republicans, that if it's Mastriano and. Shapiro, even Republicans are preparing for like Shapiro to win in the blowout. Like that's that I mean, that is like the talk happening off the record chit chat conversations. Like huh. there are members who think that like Mastriano will get ran out if it's Shapiro. And even if it's like Corman and stuff like that, too. I don't think Corman could win. I mean, I think I mean I mean they think that I I feel like Corman's running. Uh, as his last like hoorah and it's just like getting kicked and dragged out <laughs> like this it's like the ending of a casino like that's how his political career is just ending right now <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> no that's i mean true. like he's not going to win a primary in his district and then he's not going to like you know what i mean yeah like yeah. I and mean, he's not going to win this primary it's not going to be in office two years it's just him like fucking going into the sunset <laughs> Yeah, because it just, just, it, instead of just announcing your retirement, you're just, you know, you're going to lose by 30 points in a fucking primer. Congrats. So you really think that you really think that Mastriano is going to is going to take that? Yeah, I I'm a firm believer in Mastriano. He's going to win this. Yes. It's interesting. I will be I'll be surprised if it's anyone else. And I really think people are fooling themselves if they are not taking Mastriano seriously, which there are people out there who are not taking Mastriano seriously. And I think that like these people who are not taking Mastriano seriously are fooling themselves. Well, the only reason I even asked that question is because if you remember, like, like, I don't know, before, before the holidays and stuff, Mastriano was doing so, or maybe it was even right at the beginning of the year. Maybe I, I, don't, I can't remember. There's a before, right before the holidays. It looked like he was just doing this weird stuff that seemed like, wait, wait a minute. Maybe he's, maybe he's not going to run. No, he's running. Did you see his, did you see his campaign announcement? Yeah, I did. I did. 
with 500 people packed into a fucking room with yeah, like, no masks singing and... revivalist Christian songs. No, Dude, I mean, I feel... that was the, well, can I just, can we, <laughs> we, I can't believe we didn't put that in there. Holy crap. That was the freaking scariest shit. That was like, and like, okay, that video too, that like, was circulating, right? That like, of like all those. That's like death Did you watch shit. the whole thing? Um, I saw, I, I know, like, I didn't watch the whole thing. I know, like, one point they had a guy with a shot, like, one of those uh, horns, those, like, Jewish horns with the rams, like. The, the, yeah, the, uh, the, the uh, shofar. Yeah, the, um... yeah, someone had a shofar there. <laughs> just, like... but, the, but it was, like, I forced myself to watch the entire thing just so that, the, like, the feeling of dread would sink into my bones <laughs> as I was watching it, right? But there's, like, just some Christian. Uh, there's there's those that group of folks that were in there with this guy singing these kind of like you know these christian jesus revivalist songs, songs revivalist songs and stuff was freaky because Dude, these, these people, people ain't fucking going anywhere too i mean like well that's what i mean these... there, there's no there's no moving those people Right, and the the worst part there's a scene at the beginning of the at least the the clip that I saw of that I don't know if it's exactly the same one that's been circulating. I know there's a couple of them that were out there. It starts on this kind of the left hand side wall of the room. If you're looking out from the stage, kind of the room, and there's this kind of like these younger kind of girls against young women, young older girls. I mean, like against the wall, and one of them looks like she's imprisoned right that she's being kept there against her will except then she starts like raising her hand up and think it's just it's weird 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 and you know that is i i, I wish i could remember there's i was it's like m, m night Shyamalan type like yes weird. like the, the town like the town or something like that like it really freaked me out i gotta say that <laughs> it's it really freaked yeah. me out, and that kind of that kind of Christian nationalism stuff, right? That we saw the profile of him in the and um, what was it, the, the New York Magazine, right? Is like what was it, the New Yorker? Yeah, New Yorker. The New Yorker with that profile of the Christian nationalism. There was just a book that came out, and I heard this uh, this interview with this person the other way. I could, I'm not going to be able to pull it out of my head, um, but I put it in like a kind of a wish list somewhere um, on. Christian nationalism and kind of the importance of trying to understand what's happening with Christian nationalism and how this is actually um, really at the core of a lot of some of the worst stuff that's out there right now. And to see that Mastriano got was tapped into that stuff early. Oh, and he had like General Flynn and stuff like that there. Yeah. yeah. Like, <clears throat> so it just was interesting for me to that, that he's going to wait for his announcement after that first debate let this kind of the shit show happen basically um, so that he's not up there in the midst of kind of just like one other person on stage that comes out afterwards. And then it seemed like there was a question at the beginning of the year or, or right before the holidays about, wait a minute, maybe he's not going to run because he was doing some weird stuff, but now it's, he's all in and he's basically assembled that, you know, the true believers, right? Yeah. I mean, and those people are workhorses. They got the power of Yezu in them, so it's gonna be it's gonna be something. It's that holy water. It's a whole something, it's something. I can pull the plug, man. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's interesting. So because I saw it with the there was some reporting on McSwain that I thought initially I said okay well, maybe this guy is gonna have to I think you know whatever. So so I we'll see. Um, 
as you think Mastriano for sure. That kind of gets my head in a in a in a on straight. I think <clears throat> so that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Things make sense again now. Um, so cool. Um, all right. Well, there you go. Better news. Freaking yeah, Christian nationalism comes to Pennsylvania. Everybody, woohoo! Right. Banned book clubs. Banned book clubs. <laughs> there you go. Like you see, one hand washes the other. See that? <laughs> so. This has been just nuts, right? Um, this has been nuts right across it. That I'm glad to see the stuff that is pushing back because we're seeing these these book. I bannings. mean, Kutztown, they're not going like that though. The, the school board, yes, right? they are. Kutztown's, oh, they yeah. are. Oh, I didn't realize Dude, that. Totally. I, That's why Steve Schnell, the reason why you and I know each other, um, Doctor Steve Schnell ran for school board at the last uh, kind of putting together a campaign at the last minute because some of the I didn't realize like I didn't realize oh, yeah. like they controlled the school board or do that or do they do these people. Yes. Okay. So you have, let's put it this way, is they have, they have a disproportionate influence, right, on the board. Right? So it's not the same, not not like Penridge, where I live. Freaking. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, well, it's great seeing these, like, organize against that then, because, I mean, right. Kutztown, the town of Kutztown is very progressive, it seemed, like, even just all the professors living there and the community and everything you have that like you got the real cool art community in kutztown there's all you know, yeah. art and music and all that stuff is kind of percolates through you know and, and kind of kind of bops up through the kind of you know the ku klux klan fields and things like this and uh, <laughs> just like it's it's a it's a blue dot in there see it run it's an interesting place i mean the town itself is really an interesting town i mean it's it really is there's a lot of a lot of and it has a lot to do with the college there, of course. But um, I mean, it's not surprising that this would pop up in Kutztown of all places. Like yeah. them, like like, and I wouldn't mind if like any professors I've had like in school would have anything to do with this. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Or help facilitating this because, like, that's just the type of like professors that we had at Kutztown. Yep. Not not you. I'm not saying you, but no, I understand. <laughs> I understand. No, I mean, I mean, like Dr. Setliff or. <laughs> i mean like setliff or i guess sewell if he's still there like those who've been living in town for like all those years yeah yeah but no i mean i i was glad to see it right so you actually have a middle school student uh, setting this up and you know there's a firefly bookstore which is at right in the center of of town there is uh is where they were hel- um holding their me holding their meetings um and you know they're having these like public reads of books and stuff i just absolutely love to see that um so um, good on you, Jocelyn Diffenbaugh. Um, great article. There's a link in the show notes for today um, from the Red and Eagle. There's a bunch. There's a couple other articles that are out there about it. Um, and this is I, I love think, Ross's what, tweet. What, what Ross tweeted. He said, "Adults fucked up so bad, kids are now for, forming gangs to read books." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Form it's gangs to read like... books. Exactly. But look, hey, yeah. that's that's I think the appropriate response too, right? Is like, and yeah. I think I'm, I'm glad to see that. And like, you know, and no, I think it's a really good resistance tool. I mean, like, cause that's what we're going to start doing, you know, like just cause Trump's out of office doesn't mean we have to like, we stop resisting these fuckers in our communities and stuff like that. No. And I think it's in the right place too. Right. It's building up, right. It's like, you're starting having to kind of build out there. And what I hope that we're going to see from these, what I like about what they, what she did in that, in the, the Kutztown instance is that she formed a club. Right. So it's an ongoing thing. Right. Uh, instead of it just one single smash event, it's a, an ongoing thing, which is great. Um, now, you're seeing some pushback here in Penridge School District, too, as well. There's a uh, a group that's a nonprofit group that's called uh, the Penridge Improvement um, Project. 
Um, and they're um, kind of they recruited people to buy up some books of the books that are being banned in the Penbridge school book, um, school district and stock their kind of little libraries with them. You know, those little kind of boxes around there. I like the idea as a public engagement. My concern, of course, with that with uh, with that tactic is that, you know, are you going to make those little libraries targets now for these right wing nuts? Um, um, who are, I don't know, but anyways, but they had this past weekend ahead of like Martin Luther King day. Uh, yeah. Martin Luther King day. They had, um, kind of reading public reading of some of those books and, um, kind of sharing of them. So I see the possibilities that we see here in Penridge to have a similar thing going on, especially if they get the inspiration about what's happening at the, uh, um, uh, out in, in Kutztown. And, and I feel like with, go ahead, sorry. with COVID numbers starting to crash, it looks like COVID's you know, done, just, Sean. It's over. Oh, yeah. So, COVID's over. Well, I don't even know yeah. what you mean. What if, what if, <laughs> if, when? What are you talking about? No, but I mean, it seems like it seems like this Omicron has peaked in Pennsylvania and it's exponentially decreasing. But, you know, it seems like as spring gets here, I would not be surprised if these type of book clubs pop up more in resistance to yep. these organizations or like these Moms for Liberty and Tubs types and stuff like that like it'll be interesting yeah no exactly and i think that you know so that's one of the things that uh in penridge too as well you've got a group that's called uh penridge rise up um that um that was formed again by a junior uh high school student in, in the penridge school district who took her inspiration from um the students in york who stood up against the book bannings there um and she started something uh with uh, penridge rise up they're petitioning now against some of the book banning and support of diversity in the schools um, and my goal, and one of the things I would love to do, I'm going to reach out to both of them, both the Kutztown and in Penridge, uh, to see if we get some of those students on um, and out to Coop Live to talk about their experiences and talk about kind of um, what that's been like in the schools and stuff. Because I think um, this is really our hope is like organizing at that level. Um, so um, good on good on them really for doing that organizing. I want to give them a shout out um, kind of on this show today. Oh, cool. Um, and on the uh, there is no more COVID um, 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 ticket, the uh, Doylestown Health is basically <laughs> calling on Central Buck School District to actually get its shit together and actually put COVID protocols in there because the hospitals are overwhelmed. I mean, but like, it's also like this is the type of thing where <laughs> like we wait until like the middle of January, like when the numbers are decreasing now to like send out like masks and like fucking test the people <laughs> just like <laughs> it's just you're you, the look of like anger like <laughs> it's i don't know what the, well, here's here's the thing i, I didn't put I know in, i mean it's just like it just it's so fucking ass backwards well, like, let me let me like let me just give you a picture too as well of like what this could how this could have been different right because because now that you've got this federal programming that's coming in and support for you know some of this stuff this past week Right in Bucks County, they set up kind of free distribution of of tests. Right, so now you have the the first site was uh where the heck was it? It was in um I'm forgetting the first one. It just started last week, and you, you know what you do? You drive up to the site, this big parking lot area. You drive up, you roll down the window of your car, and they hand you two tests, and you go away. You don't need to even show that. Well, can you can you prove that you're in Bucks County? You know, they don't even ask you. They just give you the damn test. And you go away, <laughs> right? That's what they're doing. And now there's going to be three different sites that are set up. There's going to be one starting up in Warminster, and now there's going there's going to be another one that's going to set up um, kind of up this way a little bit more. 
right? So you're going to have, you've got these like sites that are going up. How hard is that? Right. And guess what happened, Sean? There were cars lined up, <laughs> hundreds of cars lined up to get their free tests. <laughs> right. So if this was a market solution, for example, oh, there seems to have been a need. <laughs> right? So wait, you're telling me this wasn't like the line to Chick-fil-A on Street Road? It was, was not. <laughs> it was actually like... a real place that was handing out tests and nothing but that. I remember when uh, Santucci's opened on Street Road. It was just fucking up traffic, like, royally for, like, a mile or two, like, from, like, Santucci's. Or there might be a Chick-fil-A right there, but whatever. Going all the way down on that left side of Street Road, like, beyond the Giant and, yep. like, Norristown Road. But, yeah. So have that image in your head. I, I know, actually, I remembered it. And the, the Penridge School District, like, up here, or up, up my way, I should say, up near uh, Percocy, there's this Calgary Church, which is basically at the intersections of, like, Old Bethlehem Road and 113. Um, it's just a big, and they, and the reason why they chose it is because it's, it's got a huge, huge parking lot and it's easy access for people to move through. So th starting Monday at 10 AM, right. Um, in, uh, it, just outside Percocy, they're going to be handing out tests, right? How do you get one? You go there. <laughs> what do you need to ask for it? <laughs> right? you know, it's like, that's it. And could you imagine if this is what we did? We saw Omicron spike and say, hey, you know what? Let's prepare for this stuff. We could have been doing this before the holidays. Because guess, guess who needed them? People that were going to see family and go to parties during the holidays. <laughs> Instead, we wait for this. Right? And yes, I'm bitter about this because of this bullshit. That's one of the reasons my son got this crap. So whatever. Anyways. So that's what things could have been. I mean, that's what I mean. It's like once there's once you make a decision and move forward, then suddenly things happen, right? I mean, to see it going from like literally like a week from them saying, yes, we're going to go, we're going to send this stuff out, we're going to provide additional funding to now seeing that Bucks County has set up these three distribution sites for free at-home tests. Boom. How hard was that? Guess what you didn't you don't need to do? You don't need to submit something to a healthcare provider and prove that it's an eligible test and that you qualify. You just go get it. Did so. you see the story today about, um, I think it was like in Levitt, uh, one of the newspapers in Bucks County about the 14-year-old high school student from the Chamonix Falls who had to go into Philadelphia to get his vac vaccines because um, Philadelphia, like one, his parents wouldn't consent for him to, to get vaccinated but philadelphia yeah. has a weird law where you can get vaccinated you don't have you can be 14, 14. and over or 11 and over to consent to uh, yep. you can be 11 year old kid and still consent to get a vaccine without your parents permission in philadelphia yep. where like other counties it's um 16 and he was like or, or 17 or something like that or yeah, but yeah like this kid had to like literally go to his fucking aunt's house down in philly because he, he said, yeah, my parents don't believe in, like, the vaccines. They're getting all their stuff from social media. Oh, my God. My God. <laughs> just, like, my God. just like reading this, just like you have 16-year-olds making more rational decisions. Yep. Yep. There you go. There you go. Um, so that's our happy note. <laughs> <laughs> kids. 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 
Don't listen to your parents. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I, <laughs> that my advice for the day. Uh, don't tell my kids I said that. No. <laughs> uh, but crazy. Well, you know, here's here we go. Anyway, Sean, anything else going on in PA? Uh, no, no, nothing really. All right, good. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back after this, we'll have just a little bit of fun on the way out. Uh, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. I want to remind you that you can help support the show by going to patreon.com slash rcpress. Uh, we'll be back right after this quick break with this week's last call. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken Press. For the past seven years, Raging Chicken Press has brought pull-no-punches, progressive reporting and commentary to the interwebs. Our long-form investigative pieces, stories that no access journalist wants to touch, or rollicking weekly podcasts strive to advance progressive movements and perspectives rooted in the struggles happening across the country or down the street. We've broken national stories and caused our share of discomfort in the halls of power. If we want a progressive future, we need progressive media. And you can help support Pull No Punches, homegrown progressive media today. Become a member of Raging Chicken Press for as little as $5 a month. Simply go to patreon.com slash rcpress and choose your membership level. We need to make sure to keep the movement in the media and the media in the movement. Best way you can do that is to become a member of Raging Chicken today by going to patreon.com slash rcpress. Thank you for your energy, your encouragement, and your support. Keep up the fight. This week's last call with Kevin and Sean. We talk about whatever else is on our mind. Fun stuff. Here we go. A little bit of space news today. Um, bringing back the space news a little bit. I'm very excited about the James Webb telescope. Um, that uh, I used to have a wallet uh, with that on until I wore it thin. But uh, it's uh, it's on its way to this this point. It's called the Lagrange point, the Earth Sun Lagrange point, and it's basically this like gravitational center between the Earth and the Sun. Um, that allows something to orbit it, right? Which is pretty freaking cool by itself, like this gravitational point in space, right? And so um, the if you've seen the pictures of this thing, it's got these 18 kind of gold-plated um, hexagonal mirrors. Um, and then it's going to sit and it's going to orbit around this, around this space. And the thing is, it's, you know, the reason why they put it there is because it's far away from obviously for any light and obfuscations. They're going to be able to see it's the biggest telescope that's ever been put up um, uh, for exploration. They're going to be able to see so deep into space and way like way beyond the Hubble telescope, um, which is uh, absolutely incredible. Um, they had. These... So Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say, so you're telling me this isn't like Russell's teapot? <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say i was gonna say schrodinger's teapot but i was just like no i actually had to get the name correct there you go <laughs> no 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 uh but it's gonna be really i mean it's, it's very very cool i mean what they it's amazing and this is like one of these telescopes that have been people have been working on for like 20 years 
and it's uh they they got it and you could see why it's so everything is so precise like i mean it really it shows you why wasteful government spending is actually a good thing well it can't seriously <laughs> no i i wouldn't say I, I, but i mean like I, it's like if you think about it like if you think about the way that our the way that our government i mean that people talk about wasteful spending like there's some spending that is just waste, right? I mean, we know that, but something like, like this- Like fighter pilots, yeah. Right, You're, but you're like investing, in, when you're investing in this kind of thing is like, yes, it costs money and there's cost overruns and things like this. And there are times when it's 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 poor, but this is actually watching this thing unfold. Like they fit in this little freaking capsule. I mean, it's also astonishing where this hasn't gotten, didn't get nixed along the way with totally. all of like, yeah. <clears throat> The setbacks and everything totally and you know it had like i don't know if you i mean because this is the first i haven't talked about it in a while but they, they kind of deployed the sails right they've got these like huge they look like sails basically so um and they're they're five layers of this super thin like kind of like mylar type fabric that kind of comes out that could easily tear right this thing is freaking way off in space it's got to open up this thing because they have to shield the telescope itself from the the light coming from the sun so that you know basically can get the best images possible so on this trip as it's like whatever how many thousands of miles per second it's going or whatever however fast it's going and then they had to open this stuff up right and deploy it and hope it works right um and the only way you do that the only way is test 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 you give the best possible and it did it worked right and then, then they deployed, you have to open up the, the telescope part that has these hexagonal mirrors because they're all in parts because it was in this tiny capsule. And they open it up and then they have to lock into place. It worked, right? And now they have, the reason why we're not going to see, we're not going to see uh, um, images for about three months for this is because each one of those 18 mirrors, those hexagonal mirrors can be adjusted independently so that it all focuses the light on that one set of reflectors so you get the images, right? And that's what they're going to be doing now. I mean, it's just freaking remarkable. Yeah. When you think about it, you know? And um, and I just, I'm just, I know we're going to, Hubble, the Hubble, Hubble telescope really changed the way we see the universe just because of the images that uh, was able to bring in and what it could see. And this is going to be that next stage. And it, it's, I'm just... I'm waiting in kind of anticipation and awe, really, um, for what we're going to see. So I just want to give the shout out to the James L. Webb Telescope, right? And all those people that have been working on this stuff to see this kind of fruition. I mean, literally, there's people like you, you, when it launched, when it first successfully launched, and then it, it's hit each stage, right? And it's, it, it's, it's performed beyond expectations, right? Better than usual. Thank you, NASA. That's how they build shit right there. Um, people just like they're streaming tears coming down their face, right? To see this thing kind of come to fruition. It's just a, a huge shout out to those folks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not to make not to make this too celebratory. Uh, we've got to have some bad news here, too. I don't know if you want to call it bad news, but Meatloaf's dead. Um, Meatloaf, the singer. Yes. If uh, if you grew up like I did in the uh, in the 80s, 70s and 80s, uh, Meatloaf was a fixture. Uh, I cannot believe like how popular he was. It's just like, I don't dude. know. Dude. It was like, I swore he'd be going to the end of time. Now yeah, I'm playing for the end of time. Now hurry up and arrive. Because <laughs> if I got to spend another minute with you. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, um, 
Oh yeah, he was he was something else. But I I didn't even know. Frankly, I, I thought he was already dead. I didn't know. I didn't know he had died. But <laughs> I did. I for some reason in the back of my mind, I saw that. I'm like, wait, I thought he died a few years ago. Um, but you know, just another example, right? I mean, like again, I, I there's not a whole lot of detail about um like the cause of death. Other, I mean, well, I'm not. I'm sorry, not the cause of, but um he was uh, it was um COVID, right? And he had a serious illness with COVID. Um, initial reporting at least was that, um, he, uh, well, initial reporting was that they weren't sure whether he was vaccinated or not. So, um, but it was, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's like, you know, there's this thing from the New York times, um, uh, here, where's I want to say this one part here. So yeah, his girth, cause you know, he's a big, heavy guy. This was a frequent source of jives from just jockeys and magazine caption writers. Though meatloaf was in on the joke, right? He kind of like knew it, <laughs> what was going on. Um, and he said, described his meeting with Mr. Steinman, the British music magazine Mojo in nineteen uh, in 2017. Meatloaf said that he auditioned with the song called I'd Love to Be As Heavy As Jesus. <laughs> that was his audition. <laughs> and Mr. Simon impressed, told him, by the way, you're as heavy as two Jesuses. And he was my kind of humor, Meatloaf recalled. Um, but so that's a particular cultural marker. Um, Meatloaf has died of COVID. Um, it seems to be unfortunately appropriate for our time but there you go um, yeah but in happier news <laughs> the christians are going <laughs> are going to the space station that's right tom cruise uh he's got these he's uh doing a space movie we've talked about this on the show before um but he's got the space movie and they're going to film it on the space station a good portions of it and uh this is from uh, cnbc today um so I'll just read this opening here. So just so you just, just just know this is real. So the producers of Tom Cruise's future space movie on Thursday announced plans to attach a studio to the International Space Station in development by Houston-based company Axiom. The UK-based studio, um, Space Entertainment Enterprise, co-founded by producers Elena and Dmitry Lesnevs, Les, I'm sorry, Lesnevsky, contracted Axiom to build the module. And it's called the SEE-1. The module will be the, quote, first world, the world's first content and entertainment studios multi-purpose arena in space. The SEE-1 is scheduled to launch December 2024, and it will attach to Axiom's first module um, that the company plans to connect to its space station in September 2024. So that's right. The entertainment industry is making it to space, everybody. And Tom Cruise is going to live forever in the vacuum of space, apparently. So there you go. Um, so if anybody wanted to know uh, which religion is going to um, be the religion of the colonizers of the solar system and beyond, now you know. <laughs> Tom Cruise, it's going to be its prophet. <laughs> Christian science, go, go, go. Um, crazy. Uh, so anyway, Sean, so you got any, uh, additional meals being planned, um, uh, for your new pan? <laughs> um, I went to, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm looking forward to having fun with it. Definitely. Uh, I'm going to cook chicken parm on it again tonight. I might do a steak over the weekend. I'm not sure. I was thinking about that tonight, mm. you know, mm. like fry it up and, uh, do a pan fried steak. Yes. Yeah. Which is the best way to cook steak, in my opinion, like better than grilling it. I just I don't even know who I'm talking to right now, but whatever. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Pan fried steak's the best way. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. All right. 
I don't know. I think it is butter based with, uh, you know, rosemary and thyme and garlic on it. I'm not it saying all. it can't be good, but to say that it's the best, I think that's stretching a little bit beyond. <laughs> I think like, it's right. You know, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, but you're not cooking on good cookware, are you? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I didn't say this. So uh, speaking of well, good cookware, if you want to you want to play the uh, um, uh, pan fights, um, they have, uh, I got a, uh, for Christmas, I got a, um, a carbon steel carbon st- okay. roaster. Yeah. Um, there's this company it's called, it's called made in, right. I don't know if you've seen any of their stuff or anything like that, but they, they don't produce a whole lot of stuff, but they're, um, they're, they do, um, I have a bunch of their stainless steel stuff, right? Not a bunch of it. I have two, I have two pots of, of their stainless steel stuff, which I really, really like. And, um, the guy who runs, um, I'm going to forget the name of the restaurant. It's called Alicia Elysium or something in Chicago. It's a famous restaurant. It's a famous chef. He's kind of one of the, um, the promoters of these things. But anyways, um, they make really, really good cookware. Their, their stainless steel stuff is fantastic. Um, I bought a small pan once cause my, I, my other one crapped out and I needed a new one. So it's okay. I'm going to give this one a try. Um, it got some really good reviews. And so I, I loved it. And then, they started. They produced a line of line of carbon steel stuff, and uh, for those you don't you're not familiar with it, it kind of you treat it similar to like cast iron, right? So you have to you have to condition it and all that other kind of stuff. You season it, um, and that's been great. I've done uh, uh, several things in that. Although I do have to say, um, I made the mistake. I wasn't. Ju- I just wasn't thinking, and I, you got you had me thinking about it earlier on because I made the mistake, like um, I think the the third thing that I made in it was this salmon. Right, which would have been great, except that there was uh um uh it was like a, a lemon sauce, right? Okay. And so I, I I just was not thinking at all. So I mean it came out fantastic, right? But the the lemon took away some of the seasoning, right? Because it was still, you know, early. I'd only used it a few times. It it came pre seasoned and I seasoned seasoned it up again, but that stuff will eat right through. Uh, right through it but you know i did it I, I went through kind of three rounds of, of seasoning again it's all fine again you know so it's like it's that kind of thing yeah no i saw like those were i i saw the carbon steel stuff uh on twitter or not twitter on youtube recently which seems pretty they, they seem pretty good um and you get like really high heat out of it too you get high heat and it's, <laughs> and it's a lot lighter than cast iron which is that that's the nice part about it yeah yeah and I feel like my pan I just bought, it feels like it's lighter than a lodge cast iron, yeah. which is just like, has some weight to it in itself. I like, I like this. I'm looking forward to using it um, and trying like the different things. I mean, like I literally like went on the Facebook marketplace. I typed in like Crusade pots, just to, like, see, because I'm part of like the, on like the Reddit community for like Crusades, you like who are posting and they're always finding stuff on the Facebook marketplace for like used at a good price. And this was up there for like 80 bucks plus like 20 for shipping and handling. So I got a hundred dollar pan or a $200 pan brand new, like used. There's some uh, oil. You can see like some of the oil baked into like this, the, the pan itself. But other than that, it's not even like. Yeah. So, I mean, and those pans are, are made to last forever. I mean, they're yeah, not- those things. Yeah. I mean, at that point, just like a $200 pan, like lightly used, with some like wear on the bottom, like yeah. scratches and imperfections yeah. in the paint itself, not like chips or anything, but yeah, it's nice. That's cool. What, what, you found that again at the what? At the was it was it the Joe Rogan cut sub sub Reddit? <laughs> <laughs> no, the Facebook uh, marketplace. <laughs> 
which you can find a lot of stuff on there. Uh, yeah, yeah, you people can. People are willing to ship stuff. Yep. Um, oh, starting to sound like photos. an old man talking about Facebook right now, but anyways. And I got, I got, I got yeah. photos in this week too. So I'm starting to sell them prints here. Dude, man, I gotta say the the stuff that you, those those bridge pictures, um, especially like with the icy river underneath and everything like that, are just so gorgeous. Every time I, every it's time I really cool it, just playing around with that, like with the bridge uh, or yeah. with the different bridges in Harrisburg, um, especially like with the ice being on there and all. I want to, I mean, I have a really good camera, so like start using more of it, like long exposure stuff. Yeah. I mean, my next, I think my next purchase is going to be like a twelve to twenty four like ultra wide angle lens uh from sigma so yeah i gotta say that you know i thought that you know i i love those pictures that you did of that that one bridge like the, with the stone right in the water that you do long i love that one i thought that was gonna be my all-time favorites and then you came out with those ones with the ice under the bridge and it's kind of like that cool more kind of like the bluish tones that you get from kind of having it at night that i absolutely love those those are just and what was awesome about that was like the lights from it were yeah. purple or like a bluish purple so yep. it lit up everything yeah yeah fun things happen when you have the shutter open for 15 20 seconds yeah yeah and you have like lots of time on your hands you have nothing to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah no <laughs> gotta take one shot per show that's a rule yeah. <laughs> no, i'm just kidding but no like i so i got yeah. the um bridge shot printed on a metal frame or a metal piece of metal which was pretty cool yeah. uh it's eight by 12 just see how it comes out and then i did the capital dome from the spring in like an eight by eight canvas print you probably see that like right over right, right there a little bit but you know in the background but um yeah photos come out nice i really like i really like the colors and all on it um the metal print you don't you can't really see like the trees in the background but it just like washes everything out mm -hmm. like gives it like a really spooky vibe to it cool man that's awesome yeah cool 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 well hey man uh you got any plans for the weekend anything cool going on uh no laundry. nothing really too cold uh, for laundry right it's too cold yeah <laughs> <laughs> i might be i might have to hold out a couple more days yeah yeah no it is cold out there but cozily all right I mean, man well like, hey i have to go to the market after this and i'm not looking forward to it yeah yeah it's cold i was out there walking my dog this morning at like uh six o'clock and it was uh a little little yeah, little it, nippy there's there's a little yeah there's uh ice on the river so nice cool well hey man have an awesome weekend and uh uh we'll see you next week and uh for everybody uh look ahead to see what we're going to do for uh out to coop live on monday um I'll, I'll just be honest with you it's like i've been spending like i said spending a lot of time prepping for my classes and everything this week so i'm um I, I haven't done a lot of kind of pre-prep for that. So um, from it might be just a kind of an open show on Monday, or I've got a couple irons in the fire to see if somebody, I know it's a little short notice, but a couple irons in the fire, we might get someone on on Monday too as well, talk about some stuff. Um, but other than that, Sean, have an awesome weekend, man. And uh, hey, let's hope that we find a way out of this, uh, I don't know, shit show that's barreling down at us and just don't look up, all right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. I uh, want to thank you all for tuning in today. Uh, thank you all for your support. And uh, look, keep up the organizing, everybody. Um, stay in touch with each other. Take care of each other. Um, we can win. See ya!
Yeah.